God, I just thank you for the time that you've given us to, to come and be in your house this morning. Thank you for everyone that you've brought here. I pray that as Bobby comes up to speak, I just pray that you'd speak through him. And I pray that you'd touch someone's heart this morning. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Thank you, Drew. Didn't Drew do a wonderful job leading us in worship this morning? Thanks, Drew. So proud of our college students. If you're watching online, we're glad that you're watching us and that you're a part of our ministry this morning. We're thankful for our children who are making their way out. If you would grab your Bible and you would turn to the 8th chapter of John, we are continuing with our series, Countering the Culture, and this morning is Sermon 5 for me. Clint preached on it last week also, so it would really be about six sermons total that we've kind of worked our way through this countering the culture. And I know you may be thinking we're going slow, but I think that the Lord is really laying some good stuff out for us, and I've heard back from you that you're enjoying it, and I'm thankful for that. Hope we're all learning very much. I wonder sometimes how people view us as believers, how when they, they see us, what they think about us. I, I honestly am very thankful for the people here at Holly Springs and the way you represent the kingdom. And I've seen you in the community and I've seen you here at church and I really do believe you're doing a wonderful job of trying to represent Christ out in the culture. But I know that there's 
many times that that's a struggle for all of us. I was reminded of the fact of how important it is that we represent the Lord well when we're out in the community. Just this past weekend, Laura and I were celebrating our 38th wedding anniversary on Friday, May the 21st. It was a wonderful weekend. We decided to get away for just a couple of days, so we left Thursday and went to College Station of all places. I don't know why anybody would want to go celebrate in College Station, but it was hard finding a place, and so we actually found this in incredibly, really nice bed and breakfast in College Station. I'll tell you about it if you want a neat place to go and just to hang out. So while we were there, we did kind of the stuff that you do when you go hang out in a new place. You know, we we tried new restaurants, and so we were driving past this place that looked amazing. It was a hamburger place, and you know, it was just lunch, so we weren't trying to be fancy yet for dinner. So we just pulled into this hamburger place. It looked like the kind of place that would have incredibly greasy hamburgers and greasy fries, and that's right up my alley. And so we pulled in there, and we walked in, and there was nobody behind the counter. They were all in the back somewhere. And we stood there for a few minutes, and I thought, man, I found the wrong place. I don't know that anybody, you know, at Chick-fil-A, when they mob you when you walk into its mold. That's, that's the very foundation of everything that we're talking about. How, how can we keep the world from making us who believe in Christ like them who don't believe in Christ? And the way we do it is we don't allow them to squeeze us into their shape. Well, <clears throat> that's kind of the picture that I'm hoping to paint for you this morning is that we have to be different than the rest of the world. You know, when, when you walk into a restaurant, you want the people that work there to be excited about working there, like Chick-fil-A. We always talk about them as a great example of people who are happy to be there and they're, they're thankful that you're there. They, they kind of understand and get the image that so many times people don't, that we're there and we're making uh, business with them, which is what 
causes them to be paid. Uh, you know, this, this young lady that we walked into, I don't think she really cared that we were there, really didn't care if we ate there. It, it, it just painted that picture for me. What, what do we display to the world outside? Do we care that we're believers? And if we do care that we're believers, do we have not only the foundation that we're not going to let them squeeze us into our mold, but that we have a belief system that's based on the Bible and that we believe the Bible is the truth, that we believe it's the Word of God. So this morning, as we've kind of walked through these different things that we've walked through, you remember we, we talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the, in the very first sermon, and then in week 2 we found us building the walls that we're in the world, but we're not part of the world, that we can love people who are in sin without uh, condoning or, or saying that their sin is okay. We, we walk through all of that. And then week, week three, we, we talk to you about how there's this moralistic, therapeutic deism religion that's kind of creeping into the church where people believe if, if they're just good, you know, and, and they act good and, and, and they believe good, that you know, God's there when they need Him, that He can rescue them and rescue us if, if we need Him. But most of the time we just kind of want Him out of our lives until we really, really need Him. And then we'll be good for a little while and we kind of base everything off of that. And it's called moralistic therapeutic deism. We talked about the danger of that is that we begin to choose what's sin and what's not sin. We, we've talked about this several times, and we'll talk about it again this morning, how Scripture does not allow for us to do that. Uh, the, the Scripture is adamant that we are not God, that we don't get to choose what is a sin and what's not a sin. That's why this morning it's so imperative that you understand that one of the pillars that we'll line up for you this morning is that the Bible is the Word of God, and it's true from cover to cover and that we can't pick and choose what we want. And then in, in, verse, uh, in Sermon 4, we talked about on Mother's Day the importance of godly parenting and how we must take responsibility for raising our children in a godly fashion and, and, and raise them to be God-fearing children. We talked about Scripture. You remember then even how important it is for us to instill in them the Word of God and to teach them from a, a very young age to follow its teaching. And I, I just have to stop here and say that I'm so proud of so many of our parents and, and our children's ministry and Anna who works in the nursery that, that they instill in our children the importance of the Word of God. In, in just a couple of weeks, we'll have vacation Bible school uh, for the first time in, in two years.
our world is deteriorating at warp speed. And I really think it leans, leads us to the fact of the fact that I think we're in the end days. Uh, I, I, I pray that Christ is coming soon because of the way that the world is going. And I'll share with you in just a second a scripture after I read these two illustrations uh, and understandings uh, that is coming from uh, Thessalonians where the talk is about the end times. So let me read to you these two things. So the Department of Health and Human Services, this is one of our government institutions, announced in early May that it will prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, you know the world is going to that. I mean, even if you've been watching the news much lately, you know that the Army is promoting, uh, you know, gender uh, fluid and all that kind of stuff. Even the, uh, as they recruit, that's the basis of some of their recruitment tapes now. Same thing with uh, the FBI. Uh, the latest FBI ad to recruit FBI agents is all about being uh, gender inclusive and transgender and all that stuff. Listen to what it says. Their statement, this is uh, the human and, uh, Health and Human Services Department, their, their statement requires health providers and other organizations that receive funding from HHS to provide medical services to transgender individuals. Such services include sex change procedures for any and all patients who request them, even children. Now this, and you know this, I mean, I'm not talking to people who don't understand this, but this means that your tax money is going to provide uh, sex change operations in hospitals for any and all patients who require them or request them, even children. Now, it goes on to say that the Health and Human Services announcement does note that its Office for Civil Rights will comply with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. In other words, uh, it says that they're at this moment, they're going to comply with the fact that there are some religious institutions that this goes against what they believe. For instance, you may or may not know that there's uh, Catholic hospitals and Baptist hospitals and all types of faith hospitals that wouldn't want to participate in sex change procedures. But listen to what it says. However, this is from the Human, health and Human Services. However, if the so-called Equality Act now before the Senate becomes law, so right now in, in the Senate there's an Equality Act that they're trying to make into law. If that happens, such appeals to religious liberty will be expressly forbidden. In other words, the Baptist hospital, the Catholic hospitals, if this Equality Act goes into law, they will be forbidden to do any kind of lawsuit or any kind of statement that says we're not doing that. In other words, the hospitals would only have two choices, to do the operations or to go out of business. It says in that case, faith-based hospitals would be required to perform sex change surgery on, children's, on children and adults. So that's the world. A lot of times when I take you into the, what the world's doing, let me take you into what the church is doing.
passage explaining that God is getting frustrated with the way the world is turning and that he's going to allow, because he allows us the free will, to be deceived and to believe these lies. And then verse 12 says this, And then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. So as your pastor, if there's one thing that I can hammer home with you today is that I want us to believe the truth instead of enjoying evil. That's what the world wants us to do. The world is outside these walls and they're screaming to us, come enjoy, come enjoy the evil that we're enjoying. They don't say it like that. In fact, it never is said like that. They paint it all to be like the best thing that's ever been experienced. Spend your money, spend your time. Sex is great, everything is great. Come be with me, it's the best time ever. And the Lord promises us from scripture that that's evil and it only lasts for a moment. But that joy comes in the morning and lasts for a lifetime. And we must believe the truth. So today, as I promised on Mother's Day, I want to continue to build on the importance of Scripture and how we know it, how we believe it, and how we follow its teachings as a core foundation in countering culture. Now, I, I use that word core on purpose because core is becoming such a, a popular word lately. You've heard it used in places like core values and Core curriculum. The, the place I'm hearing it the most at my age is core body strength. I don't like that very much. Every time I go to talk to one of these guys, and we have some of them in the church that are trying to help us, and they're, they're fantastic members who, uh, of our congregation and fantastic believers, and they are, they are working on their core and they want me to work on my core, which usually means that I have to do something that involves something I don't want to do, which is like lifting a weight that doesn't mean anything except it builds your core. Ugh. I know I need to do it. I, I mean, I know it's important because you can even look at me now and my body is like this instead of like this. And that's how it's supposed to be. Evan, my son, has bought this brace that he wears to help him keep his, his strength and his back straight as he's beginning to try to work on his core. And he and his wife are lifting weights and doing things. And every time he talks to me about it, he always talks to me about the genetics that I pass down to him that he doesn't like very much. And I tell him, yeah, I Blame my mom. It was my mom's fault. <laughs> Look, we, we, we need to build our spiritual core. We need to strengthen our spiritual core. What's our spiritual core? Well, the word core is defined as the central or most important part of something. This right
place. Hey, we've never been here before. What do you recommend while I'm shrinking back? She's running into the flames. That's exactly what she's doing. I mean, because she knows that that could be a conversation starter. Now, we had no idea that the conversation starter was, I'm pregnant and it'll make me throw up. But that's on her. It's not on us. We're just trying to start a conversation. That's, that's what she's trying to do. And so when you and I put our faith into Scripture and understand and believe every part of Scripture, then we're preparing ourselves to be ready to run into the flame, not away from it. Look at John 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 31. It says, and this is talking about Jesus. It says, To the Jews who had believed Him, Jesus said, If you hold to My teaching, you are really My disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Man, you want to know how to be free? Is hold on to the truth. Here's the first thing I, I kind of want to nail down with you when it comes to the Scripture being the core of everything we believe. First and foremost, you've got to trust and believe the Scripture, the whole Scripture, every word of it. Not, not what's easy and what the world is trying to do and what we're all kind of creeping into too because the world's trying to squeeze us into their mold. And that is... We, we want to believe some of it, but I don't know that we want to believe all of it. My seminary professor used to say this. In fact, I, I was sharing with Susan Chandler just a few minutes ago. The professor that taught me systematic theology, the professor that poured into my life about the truth of the Scripture and everything about theology, the professor that I really loved and, and appreciated the way he taught it was just so crystal clear what he believed and how he uh, permeated that into my life was a professor by the name of Dr. Bert Dominey. And he was incredible, bald, slick, bald head, uh, could just, he could just parse the scripture and just make it so plain and so clear. He passed away this past week. And I thought, I was telling Susan this, I, I thought, what a perfect, thing that I could do to honor Dr. Dominey and what he taught me for four days a week.
What does that sound like to you? i tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like we became God again. And we get to choose what the rules are. Let me tell you something. If you only believe Jesus and you discount Paul and you discount James and you discount Peter and you discount David, you discount Moses, you discount all the other writers of the Bible, what, what are you doing? What are we doing when we do that? Especially when it comes to Jesus' teachings, why would you elevate what you believe over what people who walked with him wrote down and the teachings that they wrote down? Listen, this is the truth. You can't understand the red letters without all the black letters. The black letters give the red letters their context and their backing. We can't rely on just the red letters. Everything Jesus said and everything that he did is not written down in the Bible. In fact, turn to the back of the chapter, uh, the book of John. Let me just share with you what it says in John 21. It's pretty fascinating scripture. Probably a lot of you have never read this. John 21, 25 says this. Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Wow. That kind of slaps red-letter Christians in the face because there was a lot of things that Jesus said that weren't written down. And the, if they were, even the whole world couldn't contain the books of that Bible. Here's the second thing I want you to know. We can't say to God, you have your truth and I have my truth. And if our truth doesn't align with God's truth, then we're hopelessly and self-deceived and we put ourselves in incredible spiritual danger. So this is what the world is kind of doing to us today. The world is kind of saying to us, look, there's this truth and I get get it that there's some truth in here, but it's not all truth because I have my truth. And so I'll accept some of the truth out of there, but then I'll accept my truth too. And when you do that, you are just opening yourself up to the most incredible spiritual danger. Listen, if our truth does not align with God's truth, then we are hopelessly deceived. God's truth Listen to me say this. God's truth can be mocked. It can be ridiculed. It can be ignored. It can be disbelieved. It can be dispelled. And it can be rejected. But I tell you one thing that this truth cannot be. And that's destroyed. You cannot destroy what God put down in these words for us. You Listen, you and I, we are free to choose whatever belief we want to you, you can choose whatever you want to believe. You can choose to say no to God. People have that option all the time to say no to God. But you cannot bend the truth that's in this scripture to what you wish it was. It can't happen. This is the foundation of what we believe. And I believe every word of it from the contents in the front to the maps in the back. And we will always stand on that. Listen to me say this. God's truth is immovable. It's unchangeable. It's indestructible. Period. Exclamation point. That's it. Listen to these scriptures. I, I chose to do this on purpose. I, I'm, I'm winding up early. I know it's a miracle from God. Uh, listen, but here, here's how I want to close this morning. I, I want you to hear Scripture. I, I just told you the importance of it. I told you that I believe it word for word, cover to cover. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof,
to you that could have been a sermon all by itself. That's just the Word of God. That is the Word of God that we plant our foundation on. Listen, I went to school with a really, really, really smart theologian. He was the kind of guy that when we were in class and people like me were doing okay and trying to keep our head above water and we were making B's in New Testament, he was making A's and the professor was talking to him about going on to work on his master's and then on his doctorate. Really, the truth is, nobody ever came up and tapped me on my shoulder and said, you ought to think about working on your master's. Really, most professors came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, are you in the right class? That's kind of where I found myself and until the Lord just kind of got hold of me after I graduated. And I graduated with a decent enough GPA, a 3.0, to where seminary looked at me, and then I, I did fairly well in seminary, but I really never even considered working on my doctorate, although I, I kind of wish now that I, I had, but I was just glad to get out of school. This, this guy that I was in class with, he was just an amazing guy. Went on to earn his THD, which is a doctor in theology, and went on to be a very successful ministry. He has his own uh, forum now that he, he calls the Denison Forum where he, uh, he uh, keeps everybody abreast of situations in the world. In fact, uh, a lot of the examples that I'm getting for how we counter culture is coming from uh, his organization called the Denison Forum. I would encourage you to Google it up and, and subscribe to it. It's a completely free email that comes every day and he's, he's just brilliant. Anyhow, I wanted to close with what he shared. The first thing is this. kind of goes back to the waitress in the hamburger place. Listen, it says, Doctrines and institutions that do not lead people to know and imitate Jesus personally. So, so doctrines and institutions, that's like the church and our schools and our parents that do not lead people to know and imitate Jesus personally will never change the culture. Let me kind of put that into my phraseology. Listen, if, if Holly Springs Baptist Church and, and our connect groups and our Wednesday night stuff and our vacation Bible school and, and our mission trips, if we don't lead people to know and to imitate Jesus personally, then we're not ever going to change that culture. So that's why you find Clint and Gary and Anna and Krista and me and Jason and, and our Sunday school teachers and, and our deacons and our elders. That's why I hope you always find us trying to lead people to imitate Jesus. Because when we imitate Jesus, we're going to change the world. I believe that with all my heart. And the reason is, and this is what Jim Denson wrote, he said, that's because the culture changes when people change. And people are not changed by our words, so don't get that confused. They're not changed by our words, but they're changed by the Spirit of the living God, just using us as a vessel. And then the last thing, again, he wrote this too. The only way our culture will ever change is if God's people know how to carry on a biblically-based conversation with those of other faiths so that the door can be opened to a gospel invitation. So what does that say to you and to me? That says to you and me, we better learn our Bible. We better learn it. We better believe it. We better trust it. Because the only way we're ever going to be able to engage in a conversation with anybody is if we know the Word of God. And when we know the Word of God and we carry on a conversation, then the door might be open to a gospel invitation. And that's what we want. Really, when, when we walked out of that restaurant last a couple of days ago, it was on Friday at lunch. 
my, my first instinct, and really stayed with me until I restudied again some yesterday for this sermon, but my first instinct was to say, I'm never going back. It was an okay hamburger, but I'm never going back. And the more I thought about it, and the more I studied this morning, I thought about to respond, maybe just coming to the front and kneeling, maybe talking to someone who's ready to greet you here at the front this morning, maybe just where you're at, just talking to the Lord about what's going on in your life. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, I pray that you would have the courage and the conviction to do whatever he's speaking to you about this morning as we stand together and as we sing. <coughs>
Will you be seated for just a moment? Uh, you, come on up, Gary. You knew that I was going to finish early, that I wasn't going to let you go this early. So let me just make you aware of a couple of things that are really, really important. I've already told you about VBS, but not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we're going to do a family fun night, and it will be outside with water slides and all kinds of stuff. It's for adults, children. Uh, we're going to have snow cones, all kinds of fun stuff. If you want to come be a part of that, it's kind of a getting us ready for vacation Bible school thought process. So anyhow, you, you'll see that in your bulletin and you can see it there. So let me share with you something that I, I just want to make sure that you're informed about because God has been so good to us and that's why I, I brought Gary up. Uh, over the past couple of years, we kind of put a long-range plan in, into action. But then when COVID hit, we weren't able to pursue any of it because we were just worried about making sure that everybody stayed healthy. And also we were worried about our finances, just making sure that we were faithful to God and uh, staying true to our finances and not trying to extend ourselves in any way. And God
happen. Where we need your help a lot is uh, demolition, all right? So we're starting next Sunday after church. I'm going to be out in the back in the welcome area after this. We've got sign-up sheets for times that you could sign up. We talked and prayed, and uh, there's not ever a good time necessarily to start a remodel, especially on Memorial Day weekend, Um, but it's the time that we've got, and we're going to go with it. And so we know that many of you have probably already have Memorial Day plans and all that type of stuff. If you can give an hour or two hours or all day, uh, that's more jewels in the crown, but just <laughs> saying. Uh, we, we just need your help. We need hands. We need bodies. We need uh, individuals that can help us rip off the stage, uh, rip out carpet, begin putting up sheetrock, doing some of the things. And, and I've already been recruiting this morning and asking a bunch of you guys, have you ever done sheetrock? And you're like, no, I'm going to teach you. And <laughs> Greg's going to teach you. And then when you do it wrong, we're going to scream at you and make you do it over. And no, we won't. But we just, we need help. And, and the amazing thing of what Bobby has shared is that 20,000 has come from people that don't even go to our church. Is that saying something about how bad it looks, or <laughs> is that just saying something? But here's where, here's where you can help, um, not just with your bodies. Uh, we need a lot of prayer. We need, I know that sounds silly, but there's going to be a lot of work going into this uh, Memorial Day week, and, and we still need to get some things done. And so um, if you're able to help during that week, uh, at any point, there's, there's going to be a sign-up sheet for you to help. Um, but we also, there's some other things that we would like to see done. And so there's other opportunities for you to still be a part of it and be a part of giving into what's coming into the sanctuary remodel. And so, um, so we're super excited. There's going to be some crazy changes uh, that are going to take place. And it's going to, uh, I think, look amazing um, when it's all said and done. But uh, we need prayer that things go smoothly, right? Anybody ever done a remodel? (laughs) That's like not possible that things go smoothly. But that's what we're praying for, that that things run smoothly and uh, that when we get done with this, we're ready to to jump back in. Here's the other thing. I've been threatened by my wife. Um, Because VBS kicks off June 6th, we've got to have a lot of this ready so that she can set up the stage and her and her team can get everything ready. And uh, as Bobby's already mentioned, we need your help with that as well. And so uh, get signed up for VBS. Get signed up. Come see me in the back. Even if you can only give an hour or two during the week, um, trust me, we'll get you down. And if it's during a mealtime, we'll take care of you during a mealtime as well. All right? So that's our promise to you. I know you may have a lot of questions. Uh, we don't want to, you know, stay up here 20 or 30 minutes and tell you every little thing we're going to do. You may have a lot of questions. You're welcome to come see me or Gary or Clint or uh, Greg or any. We all kind of can share with you what's going on. I know most of you are just fine and you're saying, I'm excited. Uh, so the sanctuary is 20 years old. This will be the first.